So we're on week two of our uh, series that we started on Easter called Relationships. There's an app for that, and the, basically the idea is that the Word of God has a lot of things to say about how we handle our relationships. And so uh, this morning, what we uh, are talking about is difficult people. <clears throat> and uh, two, one thing, so I'm all stoked because my fever broke last night, and so I don't have a fever, but I'm kind of bummed because first service, my voice was all like totally deep and manly. <laughs> and now I'm back up to my register up here, all girly. But it was so cool because first service, I was just like, Open your Bibles to Matt. And it was just, I don't know, it just seems so cool. I, I, I'm, and my wife wasn't here because, you know, I don't know. It was cool. So, um, so this week what we're talking about is how to, how to handle difficult people. And we, we all have people in our lives that are difficult. And we're, this isn't going to stop. We're, we're not going to uh, leave today and then, you know, get rid of all the difficult people in our lives because there's so many different kinds of people and we change all the time and, and what was difficult for us before isn't and now something new is difficult. And we have, there's arrogant people, there's sarcastic people, there's super, super needy people, uh, I call sponges that you could just, you could give them every bit of your day, every bit of your, you know, everything you have, and they still are so needy, they want more. There's the Eeyore that is, everything's terrible all the time, and like when you see them on the phone, praise God that none of them are in this church, but at the church I used to attend, um, and so, you know, and you look at the thing on your you know, voicemail or whatever, and you're like, oh man, I don't want to pick this up. You come on, now you, I'm not the only one here. So, uh, you know, and you've just got all these different things, and then, and then you're difficult, and I'm difficult. You know, sometimes I go through things, and my, I lose patience, and all of a sudden, Lisa's just like, who in the, what gave you the right to, you know, because I'm a difficult person. And so how do we, how do we handle this? And uh, I, I, I uh, one of the worst like examples I have of my own life of a difficult person was um, my, my daughter, Audrey, my, both my daughters are just beautiful. And, and my daughter, Audrey, when she was five years old, this is, this is what she looked like. And uh, honestly, it is just, it's, it's amazing. So we went to this picnic uh, at the beach for a friend of mine who's uh, daughter was having a birthday party and she was much older so he invited all his friends and then he invited me to play guitar and sing happy birthday that's the only reason I'm sure I was invited because I didn't know any of these people at all and so I decided to bring Audrey with me and we just hang out at the beach and uh, uh, I think the rest of the family came but they're not involved in the story so uh, I, we, we went there and and so you know you bring stuff to a party and so I brought a bag of marshmallows because they're like a dollar seventy and uh so we have these marshmallows, and I sung my song and everything. And then Audrey, with that cute little face, says, Daddy, can I have a marshmallow? Or probably said, a marshmallow, or whatever she'd say. So I opened up the marshmallows, and she sat down, and she was about ready to eat a marshmallow, reach in and grab one, when this guy, about 19 years old, walks by, grabs the marshmallows from her hand, and goes and uh, sits across from me. I want to show you another picture. This is me and Audrey. This is the kind of relationship we have. So when someone takes something from one of my kids, I don't handle that very well. <laughs> Dude, that was frightening. Uh, I, don't, I don't handle that very well. And so I, 
I started, you know, I don't know if you get, you know, you kind of rise up in anger, you know. And so, um, let's all settle down. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so all of a sudden, I, I go up to the guy and I go, hey, <laughs> give me the marshmallows back, okay? And he reaches in and he goes, no. And he puts one in his mouth and then turns his back on me. And I'm like, Audrey, cover your eyes right now because daddy's... <laughs> Daddy's going to use his angry hands right now. <laughs> and uh, so, so I'm like, no, what? So I, I walk back around in front of him, and I go, dude, you just took marshmallows from a five-year-old. Give me the marshmallows. And he goes, no. Now, I'll let you know how that story ended in a little bit. <laughs> but I want to read, read a verse to you that's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. That's kind of, in terms of the Bible, it's a great verse, and it's nice that Jesus said this, and it's, it's great for him, and it was cool. He was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm sure it kind of got away from him a little bit, and he was kind of going over the top, but here's what he says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Which sounds great until somebody takes a bag of marshmallows from your five-year-old girl. I, I, didn't, I wasn't really thinking in terms of praying for them. There were some other things I wanted to do, but praying wasn't it. And so how, how can Jesus really say that? Because if you're like me, I mean, we can, we can go through in our lives the people who've, who've not only difficult, but have also maybe done some real damage to us some things that really hurt us deeply. How do we handle that? How do we take care of that? Because difficult people are just a way of life. And if you expect to be able to just kind of remove all the difficult people from your life, it's not going to happen. God's not going to let it happen. This idea of having a relationship with God is learning how to deal with people. So the section of Scripture I want to look at that... uh, we're going to spend our time on this morning is eight verses out of Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 14 and it's going to go to verse uh, 21 because I, I, I believe this I believe that God there's few greater ways that God refines us than with having difficult people in our lives there are few things that kind of manifest our own spirituality than just having those difficult people where you're just going, man, what am I going to do with this boss, with this neighbor, with this spouse, <laughs> with the whatever, with, with, with my, these family members, with this new in-law that has just been brought into the family? How, how am I going to deal with this? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the verses and we're going to kind of see how they build on each other and see if they can't give us some insights in how to deal with difficult, with difficult people. The first one is here, Romans 12, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Romans <coughs> 12, 14. Wow. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, what in the world does that mean? Bless those who persecute you. This Greek word for bless is where we get our term eulogy. It's eulogio. 
It's, it's, so, so think of in terms of when you go to a funeral, and I just did one this week, they, they stand up and they give the eulogy. And in a funeral, you don't go, you know, we're here to, ce- you know, to celebrate Bob's life. Man, that guy was an idiot. Amen? Amen. Right? You don't do that. You bless them. You eulogize them. So you do your best to come up with something, anything, because you know you're going to have to stand up there with a microphone into your face with a whole bunch of people, and you know everything about Bob that they don't know, and so you just get up there and you go, yeah, Bob, man, the guy could barbecue. He was, he, and, and, and he loved cars, right? Because you don't want to go through the things that maybe everyone already knows. This is the idea of blessing. To handle difficult people, the first thing that has to change is our speech. We have to stop talking about them. Because God knows something about them that we don't know. And so our first response should not be for the telephone to go, you know what, he did it again. Oh, it was bad two days ago, but let me tell you what he did this morning. Or, oh, my boss, oh, I, I've talked to you about him before. We have to stop all that. It, the, 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 the way you nip difficult people in the bud is through your speech. We have to start blessing instead of cursing. Then it says, it goes on, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice Mourn with those who mourn. What is, that? what is that? It's understanding where they're coming from. Understanding what is the issue that's making them act this way. So going back to my daughter and the marshmallows. Uh, so it started to escalate a little bit. And, um, oh, thank you so much. It started to escalate a little bit. Um, not something I'm proud of, okay? And uh, so, excuse me, because I know you want to get to what happened. Oh. oh, that was perfect. Thank you very much. So uh, he turns his back on me and he starts walking away. And I'm just like, you know what? Bump it. I'm just going to grab the marshmallows and then just bring it, dude. I'm ready to go, Whew. okay? So I turn around and I go, hey. I said, give me the marshmallows. And just, just then... A lady, who I didn't know, uh, came walking up, and she said, is there a problem? And I said, oh, I'm glad you're here. Hold me back. Uh, I said, yeah, there is a problem. This young man, I don't know if that's the terminology I used, uh, stole marshmallows from my kid, and she said, I am terribly sorry. He's autistic. Mm, Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm sure there are times in my life where I've smelt, felt smaller than that. <laughs> I can't remember it. Now, all of a sudden, the entire situation changed. All of the circumstances were the same. All the facts were the same. But my attitude completely changed. I'm like, did I say he stole the marshmallows? I gave him the marshmallows. <laughs> And I'm going to the store to get him some more marshmallows. I'm looking at Audrey who's crying. I'm just like, shut up. You don't need marshmallows. You know, stop crying. Yeah, I get you marshmallows anytime. Get out of here, right? Why? Because see, everything changed. Okay? Now, why did everything change? Because I found out something about him that I did not know that changed everything. 
And so instead of talking about it, instead of whining about it, I look down and it says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Can we love people enough to try and find out what their deal is? And here, 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 here's the point I have for this morning that you can fill out in your, in your bulletin there. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. Difficult people often have a disability that reveals our spiritual maturity. Difficult people often have a disability that reveals our spiritual maturity. And now, when you deal with physical disabilities, oftentimes they're easy to see, and so we tend to change how we respond because we can see the physical disability. But when it's an emotional disability... When it's that boss that's super arrogant and you don't know that as a kid he went through a horrific childhood, you don't understand that. You just see him as arrogant boss. You just see him as he stole my marshmallows. But when God begins to soften our hearts and we, he says stop talking about it and begin to pray for that person and begin to try to have your eyes opened to what I see in him, and this goes back to what we were talking about last week. If you knew what God knew, you wouldn't be acting this way. If, if I knew about that person, what God knew about that person, I wouldn't be responding in this fashion. And so, and so once, you can, once God helps you diagnose what the issue is, difficult people often have a disability, either emotionally, spiritually, whatever, in their, in their uh, current circumstances, that reveals our spiritual maturity. And that's what we don't like, is, not, is, is the way we understand we can't handle this. My mom has a, um, a, a program uh, for disabled children, children with special needs, where they ride horses. If you could show that, that'd be great. It's hard to see with this um, uh, in the dark, but th- that's a... a, a Children, a child with special needs on this horse and, and basically she has a hard time walking and so what they do is they, they sit the, the, the kid on the horse and as the horse walks, it's the same motion as the, as the horse's hindquarters go back and forth. It's the same motion as walking and so your brain begins to feel like you're walking and it does, it does a lot for therapy. But as I talk to my mom, th- th- there's, there's different... Um, different disabilities in these kids and so it becomes vitally important for them to be able to accurately diagnose what the problem is there's one kid he's eight years old his name's harry he bites people okay and so i said to my mom i said well how do you how do you deal with that she said well we don't get near his teeth (laughs) i said well that's brilliant mom thanks for nothing you know And, and and it's like like, how does that help me? Well, he, here's the thing. Because they know they're not, for, for the special need that Harry has, they're not going to be able to change that. So they just avoid his teeth. Now, there's another kid who pulls hair, and they're working through that whole, that whole process because they're, 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 they're reacting to the person in light of, hear me, hear me, in light of their disability. Okay? And so, so when, when you have a difficult person, oftentimes they have a disability, again, not physically, but a lot of times spiritually and emotionally, that reveals our spirituality, our, our spiritual maturity. So it goes on, it says this. So that was uh, verse 14 and 15. And yeah, then in 16 it says this. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now, what's that all about? Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. That Greek word for low position sometimes is translated in the scriptures as depressed. Oftentimes it just means they're, they're in a state of, um, of stress. Okay? And so what this is saying is that oftentimes we have to understand that maybe we're not the issue. Maybe it's not about our rights or what we demand and how people should treat us. There might be a bigger picture here. It also is saying this. You might be the problem. (laughs) Don't just enter into a situation. Oftentimes when I'm with a difficult person and I'm, there's a problem, I come to realize that I'm the problem with the way I'm communicating, with the way I went about it, with maybe something I've done in the past, that I'm the difficult person. This is saying, um, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with anybody. Don't be conceited. Realize that you might be part of the issue here and that maybe it's not about you at all. Maybe it's about something else. Let me ask you a question. Where are the difficult people supposed to go? You're like, oh, I got to play. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> where, where are they supposed to go? You know, yeah, the, the desert, whatever. I mean, all this kind of stuff. Shouldn't, shouldn't they be around spiritually and emotionally healthy people? Well, maybe you're that person for them. Or I'm that person for them. And if I'm not raising my spiritual maturity level and seeking God and saying, God, what do you want me to do here? If I'm too proud and I just don't like my rights violated, maybe we're going to miss out on something that God wants to do. I'll give, I'll give you an example. We have a friend, had a friend. Her name's Tammy. And um, she left her husband for, for reasons that are biblical to leave a husband. And so she was moving on with her life and she found a man and they were going to get married and Uh, blend the two families (laughs) together and throughout this process god began to tell her i want you to go back to your husband uh, who was a difficult person and uh you know she put it off she did like we all would do like that was weird Hope that never comes back again. And, uh, you know, you're praying and you're praying and the preacher says something and you're like, I rebuke that. I don't want to hear that. You know, you, you, you avoid it. When, when you know in your heart God's been telling you this for a while and you try, to, you try to reject it and try to get rid of it. And so this went on and on and on. And then finally they, they, they were going to get married and she just said, you know what? I have to go back to my husband. And she did. She went back to her husband. It took, it took a long time for healing to come to that family, but it did. And that family b- became unified again. And he, here's what she said. She said, I found out I loved God more than I hated him. I mean, that is the essence of what God wants from us this morning. Can we love God enough that we would be used and maybe even rejected, and maybe even um, uh, betrayed or, or hassled or whatever. Can we be used by God because we love him so much, we love him more than we hate 
others, more than we are bothered by other people. And that when that difficult person comes, instead of picking up the phone or sending out a Facebook or sending out an email and going, my day, you know, people just get on my nerves, you know, or whatever. Instead of doing that, we go to our Heavenly Father and we say, Lord God, what is this about me? What, what is it you want me to learn? What is it you want me to do? But we have to start with changing our speech. And then we go to, to humbling ourselves. You know, Tammy ended up dying of cancer not too much lo- longer after that. And you think, man, what in the world? She said this while she was dying of cancer. She realized that maybe it wasn't all about her. Maybe it was to keep the family together. Maybe, it had, maybe there was a bigger purpose than just, than just that. It's an amazing, amazing story. So then it goes on. And basically, this is, these are in succession. If you can't control your speech, it's going to get taken to the next level. And here's the next level. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So I don't know if you, you're like me, but sometimes when I'm around a difficult person and I keep talking about them, you start to, um, it starts to embed. Like when you hear their name, you, your stomach ties up in knots. When you, you, know, you, you start expecting the worst out of that person. And so what ends up happening is you end up having conversations in your head where, you, you know, they're not real conversations, but you know, okay, when he says that, I'm going to say this. Have you ever done that? Uh, okay, all right, I'll just leave now. Uh, where you, you begin to go, okay, you know what? That's repaying evil for evil. They come in and they come in with their little snide remark and you've, you've built it up. You're ready to go. And you're just like, awesome, it's on. You're just ready to go. They, replay, they do something evil, you do something evil. You got, they, you got that person at the office that always takes your muffin from the fridge and you're like, you know what? Tomorrow, something's going in that muffin. Let's see how he likes that. <laughs> That's repaying evil for evil. You don't know what I was thinking. That's on you, okay? I mean, so, so that's repaying evil for evil. You know, you're, you don't like your neighbor because he does this with his garbage can, so you're going to show him. All that's repaying evil for evil. If you can't stop talking about it, it's soon going to get to where you're thinking and talking about it so much, you're starting to think, okay, when they do that to me, what can I do back to them? That's repaying evil for evil. It says, do not repay evil, anyone for evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. In other words, be above reproach when it comes to this. If they take your muffin every single day, make two muffins. And don't put anything in either of them because you'll get them confused and you might, that happened to me. No, I'm just kidding. It didn't happen to me. Now listen, here's, here's the great thing. And this is, the, this is what God tells us. If it, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, it's not going to always happen. The idea isn't that you'll live this way and change them. The idea is that you'll live this way and change you. I will change. When I begin to put these things into practice, I will change. And so it's not always going to work. And so if the expectation is, oh, if I just do this all the time, all the time, they're going to change, it might not happen. 
The word of God just says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace for all men. People, somebody may hate you, and you don't even know why. I mean, you have racist stuff going on and cultural stuff going on, and you're like, what did I do? But it's just because they're dysfunctional people. God says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. It's, it's kind of uh, uh, freeing. See, the, the, the thing is, God puts these people or allows these people to be in our lives for this refining process to reveal our spiritual maturity so we can say, Lord, I am not handling this well at all. I need your help. This person really bothers me. I can't stand this. But I don't want to just talk about it. I want to do like the Word says. I want to pray for my enemies. Give me a little glimpse into what is going on in their lives that they'd act this way. Help me see, because everything changes once you find out that little piece of information. Oh, and you might not find it. That's why we go to God. So then it goes on in uh, verse 19, and it says this, because if you can't stop your speech, and if you can't stop repaying evil for evil, and it begins to manifest itself and grow, you're going to find yourself in this position in verse 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. If we can't stop talking about it and if we can't stop going over in our mind what you're going to say or what you're going to do and you kind of do this jab back and forth, then we're going to get into real deep hurts and revenge where you decide, you know what? I want that person's utter destruction. And so when you read a verse like this, you think, cool, God's going to avenge. Well, that makes it even better, right? Because we think God's going to avenge like we do except with God-like power right? Which would be cool, but we don't have that. And so we're thinking, oh yeah, yeah, if I, that's good. Okay. But that's not what it says. It is mine to avenge if that's what's needed. It's mine to decide how this is going to go down. Okay. So he goes, I will repay, says the Lord. We have to give God room to do his work in the situation, both in our lives and in the lives of the people that we're, that we're dealing with. And so if you have a difficult boss, a difficult thing, and you're, you're formulating in your mind what God's wrath should be or what, what should happen to that person, we're living in sin at that point because it's his to worry about that, his to decide what should happen. And we look back and we go, but it's so unfair. He knows it's unfair. When he was talking to the, when, uh, Moses, he said, listen, I heard the cry of my people with Egypt. Now, that cry didn't just start a day ago. It had been gone on for years and years and years and years and years. But God was deciding. He was formulating on how it was going to work. So it goes on, and it says, so that's God. That's on him to avenge. That's, that's his problem. We don't have to worry about that problem. And, and quite frankly, we should, as much as possible, remove ourselves from the situation in that case. So what do we do then? Well, it, that's the great thing about the word. It gives us an answer. On the contrary, in other, words, in other words, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Yeah! burning coals on his head this is better than i expected right here's the problem scholars debate over what this even means so i mean 
you, you and I think, oh, here you go, buddy. How do you like that, right? But there are a couple different things that scholars talk about this. In one, it's uh, in antiquity, they used to uh, have bowls, and you'd, you'd go, like you'd borrow a cup of sugar or something, you'd borrow their hot coals to start your fire or to cook with, and so you'd come by with a bowl on your head, and when you fed someone or did that, you, know, you were like, it was just like doing that, serving them, okay? That's, that's, one, that's one side of the camp. The other side of the camp in antiquity, what they would do too, is if you found out you were wrong in a situation, you would put burning coals in a bowl on your head and the smoke would come up and everyone would say, oh, it would be a way of repenting, of being shamed. Okay, here's the great thing about this. We don't know what it means. Those are just guesses. But God knows what it means. And does it even matter? No. Because God's given us two commands prior to that that have nothing to do with the outcome. God's responsible for the outcome, whether it's good or bad. We, I personally like to think of the hot coal on their head because I'm just evil like that. But that's not what God says. God doesn't say, feed him when he's hungry, give him something to drink when he's thirsty, and then we'll decide what we mean by the hot coals. God knows what he means by the hot coals. Here's what happens. They are going to respond one way or the other. You don't put burning hot coals on someone's head either in a bowl or whatever. They're either going to say thank you or they're going to say this is ridiculous. It doesn't matter. They're going to respond and that's between them and God. Look, you see that? Our job is to look daily. To look weekly. To go before the Lord and go, God, where is he hungry? Where is she hungry? Where is she thirsty? Where is he thirsty? How can I f- meet a need? Open my eyes to, th- to the things uh, that you see, the unseen things. Is there, is there something? We talked about this in our small group on 30 day, uh, one month to live. We were talking about difficult people. And, um, you know, what, some of the things we were talking about in our small group was... Uh, do they like anything? Like if you look on their desk, do they collect giraffes? I don't know, right? Do, do they like anything? Could you go and when you, next time you're out, buy them a little giraffe and go, hey, I saw you had this collection. I wanted to get you a giraffe. This is between you and the Lord. But you see, once we start, once we stop talking about it and we stop going through our mind how we're going to, if he says that, I'm going to say this. And if she does that, I'm going to do this. And we get out of that or or I'm going to take revenge for what they did to me five years ago. Once we get rid of all that and we begin to put our efforts into our relationship with our heavenly father, we say, God, I can't do this. But there must be a reason why this person's in my life. Help me. You are so far down the road in dealing with difficult people. That God begins, your spiritual maturity begins to grow. And you, you, you're, 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 the concept begins to be like, how can I find some way to bless this person and leave everything else back up to God? That's exciting to me. And, and then here's the, here's the problem. Because verse 21, you know, this is a progression In verse 21, it says this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That word overcome is is, uh, it's Nike, essentially. That's the word Nike means victory. Don't have don't have uh, evil be victorious on you, but you be victorious on evil. Here's the problem. If we can't stop talking about it 
And we can't stop going, go, going over it in our mind. And we can't stop thinking about revenge. And we can't stop thinking about, well, how would we want to get back? It will take over our lives. It will take over. This bitterness, all the thinking and, you know, this self-righteousness and the pride and all this kind of stuff. But if you knew what they did, it, it will overcome you. I'll tell you, I look back on my life. And I can think about periods in, in my life where certain individuals had had a kind of a foothold in my life of doing things to me. And I'm ashamed at how I wasted that time. I can think back to when I first started working. I was brand, I'd just come out of college. Uh, we had just gotten married. I was scared to death. I, I had to sign a document that said I'd pay for rent and it was $500 a month and it just frightened me. I called my dad when I signed. I said, Dad, this is huge agreement. I don't know what to do. He's like, ah, just sign it, you know. I'm like, ah, I was frightened. So, so my work was like everything. And there was this guy at work. And, oh, man. I just, I didn't know how to handle it. And I went through this entire process. All I do is talk about him. All the time, all the time, all the time. I'd call my friend. I'd come home from work. I'd go. Then I started thinking about, okay, you know what? If he does this to me at work, I'm going to do this to him at work. I, I'm not, I'm just, I, I, that's why I started this off with I'm ashamed, okay? So it's not hopefully what I do now. But, uh, you know, and, and then I, I just would move on and move on and move on. You know what? What a waste. I was overcome by evil. I let it affect me. I didn't go to my heavenly father and say, Lord, how would you want me to, deal with that because here's what happens guys if we don't catch it then we become the person with the disability if we don't if we don't nip it if we don't stop it from happening then now we become the one with the disability and guess what now we're the difficult person that nobody wants to hang around and we just can't understand why this is happening to us as the worship Ben returns. I want to read one more section of scripture. It's not up on the board, but it's in First Peter, <coughs> chapter three. Here, this is Peter. The, we were reading in Romans about Paul, but this is Peter, and he says this to sum up. In other words, here's basically what I've been talking about. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic. He says. In other words, trying to understand what's that person going through? Why are they like this? Brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. It's, it's a lot. It's so much like the, the verse with, that Paul was talking about. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. Now listen, this is so awesome. For you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. There, there are things that God wants to do in, in his kingdom that depend on how we're going to handle that difficult person. There are things that God wants to do in your own life and in my life that hinge on how we're going to handle this difficult person. 